That's it for the infomercials. <clears throat> I'm sorry, the reason I take five or seven minutes of research to do this is because we really, really want you to be in a small group. Now, as a matter of fact, if you want to join a small group, I don't even mind if you go to our website and register while I'm talking. Okay? <laughs> I don't even mind, okay? And ladies, this is embarrassing. Every year the, la the ladies have double what the men have. So men, come on, lose your pride. You need this Bible study, okay? So we'll, we'll go with that. Let's ask God to help us this morning. How many of you believe that God's word is a life changer? <clears throat> that God's word is a blueprint? God, we're, we're so thankful that your word is everlasting, it's living. It comes into our lives when we soak it in and it judges our thoughts and, and our actions and our behavior. God, we believe your word and your word alone is a blueprint for life. And so today as we go through your word and as we look at things, Lord, I pray that the hearers would be here and they would hear it, God, and that the seed of God's word would fall on good soil, hearts that are prepared, hearts that want to grow, uh, people who want to grow and be vibrant and, and progress in life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, last week we started a series and it's called Moving from Dreams to Reality. And, you know, as we begin the new year, most people, 62% of all Americans, uh, set some type of a goal or some type of a resolution uh, of areas in their lives that they want to see improvements in. You know, they, they identify an area of their life, man, I need to do better in this area. And they, and they make a, they have a dream of, of doing better and growing in, in that area. You know, and uh, as a matter of fact, the top four, all the studies say they're the same every year. The top four New Year's resolutions or things people want to do better in is, first of all, physical health. People want to, they want to live healthier lives. They want to get more sleep. They want to get more exercise. Maybe they want to uh, you know, exercise more or lose some, lose some weight. And the second one is always money related. Maybe you're in a ton of debt and you're like, man, I need to get out of debt. I need to, we need to do better with our finances. And again, I, I implore you to take the, our Financial Peace University class. Tracy and I took this class 17 years ago when it first came out, when we first started doing, uh, you know, this in our church. And it made a big difference in our life. Uh, the third one is relationships. And Probably almost everyone in this room has at least one relationship that's not good. You have at least one relationship, maybe it's with a brother, a sister, a mom, a dad, a coworker, and they say, man, I want my relationships to be healthy. And the last one is self-improvements. People want to break some type of a habit in their life. They want to, you know, maybe um, uh, go back to school and do better, uh, get a better job, organize their life balance. So here's the problem. 62% of people have something they're shooting for to start the new year, uh, but only 8% of people who set goals, only 8% of people who, set, who make resolutions to do something better actually accomplish it. 92% of people, uh, they, they end up making the same resolution every year because they didn't achieve it the year, the year before. Uh, the Apostle Paul, I believe he's talking about making changes in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13 through 14. He says this, brothers, I do not cons consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. 
in Christ Jesus. And I, I think the Apostle Paul, he's being very transparent. And he, he's saying, man, God has a unique plan for my life. God has a lot of things that he wants me to do. And maybe I've done some good things in the past. Maybe I've made some mistakes in the past. But I'm just going to forget that. I'm not going to live in yesterday. And I'm going to strain toward what God has for me. And what Paul was saying, I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to develop myself. I'm going to continue to nurture my relationship with the Holy Spirit so that I can hear God's direction, so I can see where he wants me, uh, you know, to go. And so this series is designed to figure out how the eight percenters, how they accomplish their resolutions, how do they turn their dreams into reality. 92% of people make resolutions but stay in the dream state. Maybe you, you, you've done that before. You have this big, grandiose idea of what you want to do. You have a dream, but you never put it into actionable steps. You never really create an avenue to get there. And if you have a grandiose idea and you don't do anything with it, if you don't make any sacrifices to get there, it's called a dream. And dreams are great, but dreams don't happen unless we do something with them. So we said last week, if you want to turn your dreams into reality, there's four things that are needed. You have to, if you're going to make improvements in your life, these four things have to take place in your life. And the first thing is this, is that you have to have a clear vision. You have to have a clear vision of where you want to be so you know where to go. Number two is that you have to develop a plan that allows you to get there. It's one thing to know where you're going, but you have to have a plan uh, to be able to get there. Thing is, you have to be disciplined. And number four, you have to master life stamina. Now, I had someone tell me, Terry, you're talking about all this vision. I don't really don't know about all this vision. So let me, I'm a very simple person. Let me break it down even further for you. Number one, I said you have to have a vision. Let me, in, in, in just plain English, this is what vision means. You have to know what you want. You have to know where you want to be. What do you want to be? Well, I want to be a better father. That's vision. You want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better Christian. Uh, number two, we said you have to have a plan. And let me put, make that real simple for you. You have to know how you're going to get to where you want to go. That's real simple. So you have to know what you want. That's vision. You have to know how you're going to get there. What is your plan to get there? You know, when you start college, if you've ever gone to college or high school, they have a, a plan of the classes you have to take to graduate. And if you don't take one of them, you don't graduate. That's, that's a plan to get to where you need to be, an actionable plan. Number three, we said you have to be disciplined. Let me put it to you another way. You have to be extremely determined. You have to be extremely determined. And if you're not determined to do something, you're not going to do it. If you have to have a determination, a burning desire within you. And then the last thing is we said you have to master life stamina, which just means this. You can't let life get in the way. How many of you have plans tomorrow to do something, but life is going to get in the way and you're not going to do it? Right? We, we all, we've all done this. I'm going to start exercising four days a week, right? And I wake up and I don't feel like getting up in the morning, so I'm like, you know, I'm going to do it this afternoon. And this afternoon, you know, I'm really tired. Tomorrow's a good day. Tomorrow, and if you, if you live life light, you can't let life get in the way. If it's important for your spiritual growth, if it's important for your family, we have to do it. We have to do it. We can't put off, 
anymore. We can't keep procrastinating on these things. And so on week one, last week, we talked about how to develop a vision for your life, and it's on our website. Today, I told you, I'm going to help you. How do I get a plan? Now, I gave you homework last week to go home and get a vision for your life. A vision is what do I want to do? What do I want to be? And then today, I said I would help you with developing a plan. Many times we struggle in the plan development because most times we make the plan too aggressive. Like here's an aggressive plan. You're not working out. You're not exercising at all. And you say, I'm going to exercise seven days a week for one hour a day. Well, you may, but you're going to hurt, right? It's better to start with like 20 minutes, four days a week, then work your way up. So most plans are, are too aggressive. So let me tell you a quick story. We're going to talk about how, how to develop a plan to achieve your dreams, how to turn your dreams into reality. Have any of you, um, I'm scared to ask this, have any of you ever heard of Earl Nightingale? Right, probably just the, um, the older congregation because he was really popular even 10 years before I was born. Okay, so um, this, this week, this week I was reminded about an incredible lesson that he did. Way, way back, um, he, he, he taught a lesson many years ago, and, and it's called The Strangest Secret, and it's 33 minutes long. And it's on YouTube, so you can go and listen to it. But it's, it's just really just an incredible, uh, a, a incredible, you know, talk that I actually listen to it. Uh, I try to listen to it every once in a while. But Earl Nightingale, he was actually, he owned an insurance company and was very successful. And, and he became what is known today as motivational speaker. He was the father of motivational speaker before there was Zig Ziglar, before there were these guys today. He was the, he was the one that started. And so he was so successful that people started hiring him to come teach their salespeople how to sell. And he went to this one company every Monday morning, and he would teach them a lesson and kind of rah, 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 now go sell something type of a deal. And uh, their sales went through the roof. And so one week, Earl says, man, I'm working too hard. And he booked a three-day fishing trip to Alaska to go fishing. And he was going to be gone from Monday through Wednesday. And the company said, Earl, you've got to be here, man. We, our contract says you're going to be here on a Monday. you got to be here. Our sales are going to go down if you're not, you know, giving them a hurrah and kicking them out the door on Monday morning. And so what he did is he had the ability to record. So he recorded this lesson. It's called The Secret, The, 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 strain, the Strangest Secret. And he recorded it in 1958. And in 1960, it became so popular that it's the first talk that ever sold a million copies. Now, I know Elvis Presley was back then, and <clears throat> he was selling millions of copies of Hound Dogs. So if you want to be a hound dog, you can listen to that too. But he was the first talk, the first talk that sold over a million copies, and it would just change, uh, you know, people's lives. And the strangest secret was built on one thought, and it came from Proverbs 23, 7, which just says this, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's an incredible Proverbs. What that says is, whatever you think about during your day, that's what you're going to become. Someone says, well, man, I just think about a Big Mac for hours and hours because I'm hungry. <laughs> well, you're going to become a Big Mac, right? Literally, a Big Mac. And, and so whatever you think about, what consumes your mind will, come, will take place in your life. So, I mean, I want you to think about that. What this verse says that if you, if you think that you're a victim... And that everyone did you wrong. 
and that's what you consume your, your life on, you're never going to be successful. You're going to be a vic- you're going to be a victim. If you if you think about critical negative things, let me give you an example. If you don't like your job, and all you do is talk about how bad your job is, and you're you're, you're dreading going on the day there. Your job's going to be terrible. But if you start saying, you know what, I just believe something's going to change at my job. I'm thankful to even have a job. I'm thankful to be able to support my family. All of a sudden, your job will become better because you become better. Whatever as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And that's true for me and it's true for you. This, this week, whatever you thought about, whatever consumed your mind, that's, you had a bent toward that. And uh, he kind of, he quoted Ralph Waldo Emerson that, who said this, a man is what he thinks about all day long. Pretty good quote. And then Earl Nightingale came up with this quote, what you can conceive and believe you can achieve. So if you conceive it in your mind, this is what God has for me, this is where I'm going, it doesn't matter where you're at, and you believe in your heart that God will help you get there, you can achieve it. And uh, so the strangest secret is just this. You become what you think about. You become what you think about. And, you know, certainly there are some physical and talent restrictions. I can think all day that I want to be in the NBA. I can think about it all day long. I can dream about it. I can put the goals down and come here all week and not work on my sermon and say I'm going to be in the NBA and shoot free throws. But there are some restrictions. Like my kids will tell you, like, you're really old. You're short, you're not fast, you're an average, you know. Anyway, so I'm not going to be in the NBA, okay? Every year we watch people go try out for American Idol who thoroughly embarrass themselves. And sadly enough, half of them don't get the clue that they're being embarrassed on national television, right? But if you're going to join a singing show, you should actually be able to sing. Thank you. And so I'm not talking about you can just dream and think about anything and be there. What I'm talking about, what God has created you to be and the desires and vision he has put in your heart. If you meditate on that and think about that, you, you can be successful. So we're talking about the ability, okay? We're talking about the ability to decide that I am going to win at life and I'm going to impose my will upon certain segments of my life. If you're having financial problems and you're always in debt, you know, what this is saying is, no, no, I'm tired of losing financially. I'm tired of being in debt. I'm tired of having credit card debt. I am going to win in life, which means I'm going to impose my will on my spending. I'm going to impose, I'm not going to spend money I don't have. I'm actually going to save money. It's, it's that, it's like I'm thinking about it. It's consuming my mind and I'm going to impose my will to get this done. That's what you have to do. There has to be some of that. A movie came out a couple years ago. It uh, it was called Unbroken. And it was a story of of Louis Zamperini. And Louis Zamperini, uh, you know, he was an incredible runner. And he qualified for the 1936 Olympics at age 19. And in 1934, he he set a high school world record for the one-mile run. Four minutes and 21 seconds, and it lasted for 20, 20, 19 years. Well, in 1938, he went to college, went to USC, and he set a national collegiate record and the world record at four minutes and eight seconds. 
And it lasted for 15 years. For 15 years, no one got below four minutes and eight seconds. As a matter of fact, people were saying uh, there's no way it's physically, anatomically impossible for somebody to run a mile in under four minutes. As a matter of fact, one doctor says if a man ran a mile in under four minutes, when he crossed the finish line, his heart would explode. Fifteen years later came along Roger Bannister. And Roger Bannister ran the mile in three minutes and 59 seconds. Now, an amazing thing happened. 22 days after he ran 359, someone else ran 357. And over the next six years, that record was broken 22 times. Why was it broken? Because the mental barrier came down. Hey, that, that dude Bannister ran it under four minutes. His heart did not explode. So it can be done and you won't die. Okay? Someone says, well, I'd die if I tried to run an eight-minute mile. That's a, different, that's a different issue you have right there, okay? But, but think about people, pe when people believed it could be done, it started happening all over the place. The biggest problem is many times we accept, we accept where we're at and we think it's impossible to get there. It's not impossible. We have God on our side. But you're going to have to do something, okay? You're going, to have to, you're going to have to work with God a little bit. So the greatest barrier to achieving your goals, dreams, and resolutions is your thinking. You have to change the way you think because how you think, it determines the road that you're going to travel on. Amen. And again, if you can change your thinking, you can change anything in your life because it's hard to change your thinking. You have, to, you have to impose your will on your thinking. As the Bible says, you have to take those thoughts captive that aren't good. And you, you have to put in good thoughts. So the majority of people that I talk with, they, they seem to have a defeated mindset. They feed on negative, critical, often a victim mentality process. And so they never get to where they want to be. I want to introduce a theory to you this morning. It's called the displacement theory. Let me tell you how the displacement theory works. The displacement theory says if you have a volume of something in a container, if you add more volume to that container, the old volume starts to run out. Let me give you an example. You fill up your, you can try this if you want. Um, fill up your bathtub all the way. Then I want you to get in it. <laughs> That's displacement theory right there. Water goes out. So they've actually done this. So think about this. Do you know some people, some people drink these healthy drinks. They put like spinach and all this stuff in a blender that shouldn't be in a blender. And, they, and it looks like toxic waste. And they drink it. They drink it. Right? And then they just set it in the sink and wait, wait for it to harden up and someone else to do it. Right? And so, someone did this. It's on, it's on YouTube. So if you put a dirty glass like that that just had this toxic waste that's good for you in it. You drink it. If you set it under a faucet, turn the faucet on, in a minute and 16 seconds, there's clear water in that cup. Because water is running in there and all that stuff that's so good for you just bubbles out. See, that is the law of displacement, the displacement theory. And let me, let me tell you something. Some of you, you're in the condition you're in because of what you've been putting into you. Ouch. Ouch. You know, you can tell me all you want. Well, you just don't know my family. Well, you just don't know my background. Well, you just don't know who I'm married to. No, but I know this. If you put good stuff into your spirit, good stuff comes out. 
You put good stuff in, and the problem is we have been putting garbage into our system, and we're feeling sorry for ourselves, and we're not making any progress, and we're blaming our parents, the government, the church. Hey, we have to take responsibility for ourselves. It's what we put in. And if you have trash inside of you, start putting, start putting the Word of God into your life. Start praying. Start hanging around other Christians. Join a Bible study. See, that's why it's so important to attend church every week. That's why it's important to be involved in Bible studies. We don't have Bible studies because we don't have anything else to do. We know that when you start getting God's Word into your spirit, it will change how you see life. And so you can feel sorry for yourself, but it's not going to get you where you need to be. And the only way we can do that is, is this displacement theory. Whatever's in us, whatever's in us, we can start putting new stuff into us, new ideas, new thoughts, hang around new people, and eventually all the old stuff's going to bubble out and, 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 and go away. This is also the principle of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping, Galatians 6, verse 7 through 8, it says this, Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Uh, whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. So when we decide that we need to make changes in our lives, we have to begin. We have to begin by putting new things into our spirit, new thoughts, new ideas. You know, we've got to quit listening to secular radio and all this secular stuff. We've got to start putting God into our lives. We've got to start bathing ourselves uh, with, with the Word of God. Let me read the Scripture uh, to you in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 27. And you may think, well, this is a strange verse to put at this point in the message, but let me, let's talk about it for a minute. It says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. So we're talking about the church here. That's us, the church universal. And he gave himself up for her. The church is known as her, the bride of Christ, to make her holy. How did he make her holy? Because when the church, would you agree that sometimes the church has some bad stuff in it? Sometimes the church looks a lot like the outside. So how, what is the goal of Christ making his bride, the church, holy, spotless, and blameless? And it says this, by cleansing her with, with, by the washing with the water through the word to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. So the whole goal of Christ to make the church holy was to wash her, to wash us, to wash the church with the Word of God. The Word of God is what makes us clean. The Word of God is what gets into our spirit so we can tell, but discern between right and wrong, between holy and evil. And if the church is neglecting the Word, it will become just like our culture. And I know a lot of times today people ask me, hey, tell me about your church. Listen, we believe that God's word is the blueprint for life, that it has no error, that it is the source of our life. And you can't pick and choose. You just gotta, you just gotta take it in. And hey, there are some things in the Bible that a lot of people like to leave out. 
You know people that only quote the verses that are good for them? You, you know, you know, I'm going to leave my sins out, you know. I'm just going to go with, no, you, you got to take the whole thing, the whole thing in. So let's go back to the main point of our story. Uh, the main point of this series is that many people have dreams, but they are never able to turn them into reality. It's just a grandiose thing. So a dream is when you have a grandiose idea, some idea that would just be awesome, but you take no steps to get there. That's a dream. That's a pipe dream. It's a daydream. It's not going to happen. Vision, on the other hand, vision is when you know where you want to go, but you just need a plan to get there. And so, again, people who achieve in life are the ones who can turn vision into reality by developing a plan to achieve your goals. So if you're going to succeed in life, you have to have goals really in seven key areas if you want to be a whole person. We have a diagram that's going to go up, the wheel of life. Uh, this, this is created by Zig Ziglar, who is an incredible man of God. And what he says is, hey, our life, all of our lives, everyone in here, we have seven compartments. Everyone has these seven compartments. So a financial component, you have to pay your bills, a spiritual component, physical, intellectual, so like read some books and increase that your family, and your social life. And what he says is a lot of people, they do really good in one or two of these areas. Like, like the business guy who is so successful in the business career and he's made so much money, he's made other people so much money, but he's been divorced three times. He's 50 pounds overweight because he neglected some other ones. And so what this deal is, is these are the seven components. So you can think about your life. In some of these areas, you're going to be just doing, you're going to be knocking out of the park. But the areas that you're not, <clears throat> those are the areas that we have to set some goals. We have to have a vision and we have to figure out how we're going to get there. So let's look at this for a minute. For how, how, do, we, how do we create a plan and how do we set goals for ourselves that are actually going to work? And there's five things I want to leave you with today. There's five things. Goals, first of all, must be specific. So if you speak in generalities, you're never going to get there. And I mean, if, if a goal must be specific. So if you say, you know, I just want to be a better person. Well, how are you going to do that? What, what, what is a better person? What are you not a good person? I mean, you have to be specific. Then you ha it has to be measurable. If you just say, well, I just want to be a good person, the next day you wake up and say, yep, I've, I've grown in that area. Like it's got to be specific so you can calculate, am I moving along? It's okay if it takes you all year to get somewhere. It's okay if it takes you three years to get somewhere. But am I, it, can I see progress along the way? So it has to be specific. It has to be measurable. And there has to be a time limit. There has to be a time limit. If you don't set a time limit on yourselves, it's just going to be a forever ongoing thing. So you have to set a time limit. And then your goals must be your goals. You know, don't... How many of you meet people that they're doing what they're doing because their parents wanted them to? And like, they're not good at it. If you ever... Go to a church and the pastor says, well, I'm a pastor because my dad wanted me to be. Don't go. Go somewhere else. It's not going to be good. Right? So don't set somebody else's goal. Look, guys, I'm going to ask you a question. I'm speaking to the guys right now. 
probably 70% of the guys in here, your wife wants you to eat better. And she imposes her will on you when you're at home. And there's broccoli and there's... But what do you do at lunch? We know what you do, right? You go home and say, I don't know how I gained a pound this week. Eat all this healthy stuff you're creating for me. Well, it's the Whataburger and it's the Schlotzkys and it's, it's all that kind of stuff, right? So your goals must be your goals. Your goals. What does God have for you? What are you passionate about? And then, of course, they must be written down. We read last week Habakkuk 2. It says, write down the vision. Put it on tablets so that a herald may run for it because if it lingers a long time, you still have the vision in front of you and you can, you can continue to grow in that. So let me, let's talk about this. So specific, measurable, there has to be a time limit on it. They must be your goals. They must be written down. So again, general, general, general terms, I want to lose weight. That's not going to work, right? I want to lose 30 pounds in three months. That is 10 pounds a month, two and a half pounds a week. Like you're, you're breaking that down, right? So if you go a week and you haven't lost two and a half pounds, like you know you're not good. It's measurable. It's specific. There's a time limit on it. You, you broke it down. I want, to I want to make more money. That's a general statement. You'll never get there. I want to make $12,000 more next year. Okay, that, that's specific. Now, how are you going to do that? You know, obviously that's $1,000 a month, $250 a week. So what are you going to do to do that? What has to be true to do that. So when we speak in generalities as a dream, write this on your notes. What, ha what has to be true for this to happen? What has to be true? I want to be a better father. What has to be true for that to happen? You have to spend time with your kids. You have to have a relationship with your kids. You have to communicate with your kids. Your kids have to know that you, they, you love them unconditionally. That those are some things that those have to be true for you to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. What has to be true? Terry, I don't know what has to be true. Ask your wife. She will tell you what has to be true. You have bullet points, man. All right? So, so, so think, think about it. It's not, it's not like it, it's not that hard, really. You want to lose weight? Exercise more. Quit eating carbs and sugars. Do pushbacks from the table. You'd have, I mean, it's, it's not that hard, right? I want to be an authentic Christian. I want, to, I want to represent Jesus better on the earth. What has to be true for you to be a better Christian? You have to know God's word. If you don't know God's word, you can't obey it. You have to know God's word. 2% of Christians have read the Bible through all the way. Hey, we're going to be serious. You, you have to know God's word. You have to soak yourself with God's word. You have to put God's word into you so that when something bad happens to you, God's word comes out. Amen. Not profanity. God's word. Man, hit me. God's word comes out because I am putting it. I am putting it into my life. So one last thing today. One last thing. I want you to think about this. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much energy you put into accomplishing your goals, you will experience failure. You are not going to be 100% no matter how hard you try, and that is a fact of life. See, a lot of people, they're trying to do something, and they have a, a little failure, and they just quit. You're only a failure if you quit. you got to keep going. You have to keep going. Winston Churchill said this, success is stumbling from failure to failure with no loss of enthusiasm. 
That's a great quote right there. I, I'm, I'm failing, I'm failing, but you know what, as I'm failing, I'm learning some things. I'm learning some things. They asked Tom, Thomas Edison, he was asked one time if he felt like a failure because he had tried 9,000 different ways to invent the light bulb and there was still no light bulb. He's like, well, I haven't failed at all. I've been experimenting. And I've, I've experimented 9,000 ways that the light bulb will not work. And I'm going to keep experiencing. And, of course, today we remember Thomas Edison for all the things that he did. And we have light bulbs, right? And we don't remember, we don't remember his failures. We remember that he didn't quit and he, he kept doing that. Abraham Lincoln. It's a really incredible story if you ever read a biography on Abraham Lincoln. He was born into poverty. His elementary teachers considered him to be slow. And um, he suffered eight election losses. He failed twice in business, and he had a nervous breakdown. But when you think of Abraham Lincoln, we remember him as the 16th president of the United States. We remember that he is the one that gave the Emancipation Proclamation to free all the slaves. We remember that he is the one that was, that was in charge of our country that held a divided union together. That's what we think about Abraham Lincoln. Most of you didn't even know that he failed in business. Most of you didn't know that he was considered slow as a child that was born in abject poverty. Most of you didn't know that, you know, pretty much the only election he won was the presidency. I mean, he lost every election, you know, that, that he tried in. And I could go on and on, but the point is, is that we will not be remembered for our failures unless if we quit. We will be remembered we will be remembered by where we actually got. I don't know one person, I don't know one successful person, every successful person I know, they're standing on a pile of failures. And they just kept climbing up on those failures and eventually they got up to where they wanted to be. You know, John 10.10 is what God wants for your life. And it says this, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and may have it to the full. And if you're here this morning, and if you say, I don't feel like I'm experiencing the full life that God has for me, then we need to change what we're thinking, we need to change what we're putting in, and we need to ask God to help you get where you want to be. Because God's goal for you is not to be defeated. His goal for you is not to live in depression, discouragement. His goal for you is to reach a point where, where you feel hopeful and where you feel abundant, abundant life. So if we're going to be one of the eight, one of the eight percenters, if we're going to achieve our resolutions, if we're going to turn our dreams into reality, we have to, number one, we have to, we have to, to change our thinking. We become what we think about. Number two, if we have toxic material inside of us, we have to get it out. We have to get out, and how you get out is the displacement theory. We put God's word into our lives. We put good friendships into our lives. We put accountability into our lives. We join a Bible study. We join a small group. We attend church, and we just get God's word flowing in us because when it flows in us, the toxic stuff has to get out. There's not room for it. There's not room for it. And uh, we, we talked about some goals. They need to be specific. They need to be measurable. you got to put a time frame on it. And they have to be your goals, and they need to be written down. Those things will help you. Uh, those things need to be 
in your plans. So many of you this week were praying about the vision God has for you. So now, what are the action steps? We have to turn that vision into action. We have to turn that vision into a reality. And we do that by some of these principles that I, I talked to you about today. Would you stand with me today? Thank you, Lord. God, we're so, we're so thankful for all your, your love and patience for us. God, we come before you today, and we're so thankful. God, we're so blessed, and we just thank you this morning. You know, there's probably many of you here today, and as we're, as we're talking, you're, you're like, man, you know, thank you. I needed this, and I've got some toxic things inside of me. If, if the Lord showed you something today, something that will help you this year to grow, Something you need to change. Would you just raise your hand, so Lord, and we're going to ask him to help us. God, we're so thankful for your word. God, we're so thankful for the life that it gives us. We're so thankful that it can wash us and make us pure and clean and spotless without wrinkle, Lord God. And Lord, I just prayed this morning for everyone here, everyone here at God this morning, who, who, who's desperate to make a change in their life. God, they're desperate to turn over a new leaf. They're desperate to turn their dreams into a reality, Lord God. And I pray this morning that you're speaking to their hearts, God, and you're giving them just solid things that they can do as they develop a plan, Lord God. And Lord, obviously we know that we can't do it on our own. We need your help in our life, God. We need your strength, we need your guidance. So we call upon the Holy Spirit to just indwell us today. God, we ask the Holy Spirit to be our partner in life, to walk with us every day, to speak into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now I'm gonna have the prayer team come up this morning and, and we're gonna do a little bit of worship here. If you, you just continue to worship with us for just a minute and, and we're gonna have a time of prayer. If you're here this morning and you have never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come down here and one of these men and women would just love to pray with you. If you're hearing you're discouraged or you want someone just to join in with you, come down. They would be happy to pray with you this morning. And if you don't need prayer, let's just, uh, let's just worship the Lord for a moment more.
Though the battle's rages, we will stand in the fight. Though the armies rise against us all sides, we will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. We will not be shaken. blessings of God upon your people. Lord, your word is very clear that we're in covenant with God. We're in covenant in the blessings that Jesus has paid for. They're ours. And so, God, I just pray you're blessing our families. You're blessing us financially, spiritually, physically. You're protecting us from all harm. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're in the growth track, we'll see you upstairs in about 15 minutes. And for all of our visitors, we have a gift for you in the life center. God bless you.